0: Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things Brown and Gold.
1: Hi everyone, Ashley Brown here welcome to Hawks Insiders. Wednesday night, safe space as we put the uh, horrible choking one point loss to Richmond to bed look ahead to the dreaded Marvel home game against St Kilda this Sunday. And as the player movement heats up, we will be looking at a few players who have been linked to the Hawks and decide whether it is something by us players of Hawks should pursue. And I have a daily update for everybody as well. So uh, an action-packed hour or so coming up on Hawks Insiders. Thank you, for everyone, for joining us Uh Tonight, uh, on this Wednesday night, um, not sure whether we'll go back to Thursdays next week, we will advise you guys ASAP, but let me welcome first my co-host for the evening, the man in the driver's seat tonight, ha- hiding behind the Hawks Insiders uh, logo there, is Danny Prince. Hello, Danny.
2: Hello, Ash. Uh, good to be with you tonight, and uh, yeah, always good to chat Hawks, even after a heartbreaking uh, one-point loss on the weekend. Darren Levine, hello. Hello, Ash. Hi, everyone.
3: Good to be back. And, you know, with Danny's sentiment. Felt a bit flat after that, but looking forward to the weekend now.
0: And Brad Klebanski, hello. Evening all. Uh, I was at a Bucks party on Saturday, so couldn't watch the whole game. I sat down at the pub, 14 minutes to go in the last quarter. Hawks are off by It was 31 points saw Richmond pick five goals to Hawthorne's one point. Wasn't a great late afternoon. It was a pretty shuddering
1: uh, way for the game to finish, but you sort of uh, wonder afterwards. As as time heals, you wonder whether we actually uh, celebrate the fact that um, they got to 31 points up and really for large parts of the game totally dominated Richmond. Or do you keep coming back to it a final thirty minutes of the game in which so many little mistakes were made. Eliminate any one of them, and will probably win the game. So it really was a, a game of uh, a game of centimeters. So that's probably been the the one thing we've been grappling with over the last few days. And which I'll sort of get off the crew, and of course all of you guys as well over the next little while. As always, send your questions through on the Twitters or make a request to speak, and we'll try and get to you as well over the next. Little while. Um, so we'll start with the uh, the wrap up of the MCG on Saturday afternoon, a beautiful Sunday afternoon, 57,000 people in the house at the traditional time slot, a fair sprinting of brown and gold amongst the yellow and black as well. So it was a pretty good day the footy for the first three quarters. Uh, it was Richmond 14 12 96 defeating Hawthorne 15. 5.95, the Hawks didn't get goal in the last quarter. Luke Bruce had a chance to put the Hawks probably, I think, 36-something points up with a shot for goal. He kicked the ball with his left foot around the body. It grazed the goal post. He came off the ground afterwards, sort of slapped his thigh in disappointment. And as I wrote in the recap, uh, Danny, he knew that he had failed to put the final, coffin, final nail in the Richmond Coffin. They were on life support, he gave a bit of oxygen and we all know what happened from there.
2: Yeah, it's really disappointing because I think, you know, um, your, your six, seven goals up is, is um, near on impossible. And I think, you know, that, like you said, that puts the final nail in the coffin. Tigers supporters start departing the MCG. Um, you know, the Hawks fans can celebrate uh, what's a, what would have been a really, really impressive win. And I think the really good parts of that game uh, the run-on that the Hawks got, um, you know, showed that what Mitchell is building um, can be really, really positive and um, can be really impactful. Uh, look, the Tigers are obviously a good side on the wane. So they're not, um, I guess, the benchmark anymore, but they're still, um, they've got a, a lot more experience than the Hawks do. And I think that kind of showed in the last 15 minutes of the game. So, um yeah, I, I think there's still a lot of positives to take out of it. I am a fairly optimistic person uh, by nature. Um, so, yeah, I think I think you can take as little or as much out of it, a game like that as you want to, depending on which way you lean. So, um, I, I, I tend to lean towards taking as much out of it as I can. What were you liked out of the game? Uh, first and foremost, it was another phenomenal effort by our, our captain. I think he equaled... The uh, intercept marks record, um, and he was imperious, um, and and looked like his leadership at one stage would be what sort of saved us um, wasn't to be. Uh, I liked the continued um, play of the Australian squad Smokey Jai Newcombe, who deservedly got his flowers uh, by Josh Gabalich on afl.com.au today. Um, I enjoyed uh, Carl Amon's game as well. Huge meters gained for the second week in a row. Generally, when Carl um, has a lot of meters gains, he also uses the ball pretty well. Um, and timely, he's come into form uh, and not just beating up on um, rubbish teams like North Melbourne. So there was there was a there was a bit to like. Um, I think Chad Wingard's first half was phenomenal. His second half, well, not sure he came out of the dressing room after halftime, but that first half was probably uh, an, an encapsulation of exactly um, why we hired him, uh, or hired or traded for him, I should say, um, and brought him into the club. It's just a shame it's taken, what, four years and 15 soft-tissue injuries uh, to get it from him. But, um, you know, there was there was a fair bit to like... Um, Uh, I think overall, you know, the run and gun sort of uh, style of play when we were up and about in that first half uh, was was really impressive. Um, And and Mitch Lewis, again, you know, I think was another four goals, four goals two, playing uh, other than Chad in the first half, playing a lone hand up front. Um, I just really think we need to help that guy out and get get him some support up there that... um, you know, that, that can actually kick a goal and help impact the scoreboard because he's, uh, he's uh, a very, very, very good AFL key forward and would absolutely revel with somebody that could take some of the pressure off him. Daz, what didn't you like about the game?
3: Yeah, look, I think on a, on a day where there was a lot of positives, um, the forward line to me is just still a, a total mess. Um, you know, there's talk about bringing Cosie back DGB is a forward. That experiment has to end surely with a, a zero disposal, zero mark, zero goal, zero point, zero point, at all to him playing in that position game. Um, so they've got a tool around with it again, which is a shame. So late in the season, you think they would kind of have a a bit more of a forward plan, but they're still they're still experimenting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens at uh, selection this week in terms of who comes in. Not sure. Fergus is the right man either. So yeah, it's still a bit of a mess. The ruck as well, unfortunately. You know, Reeves. There was some some really great tap work, especially in that third quarter. And I think he was a big part of our centre clearance uh, dominance in, in in some patches of the game. But. You know, it was a kind of game where I said in the um, in the recap that we were really crying out for a Ben McAvoy to be down there, taking that big grab on the line, uh, you know, down the line, taking the heat off. Um, and we just didn't have that from Ned. It's not his game. It's probably never going to be his game. And if we're prepared to just sort of have a, a Ruckman, that's, that's, you know, a sublime, it has sublime tap work. And and does little else, then, then Nev's the man. But otherwise, we may need to look at other options. Um, yeah, you, you know, just obviously the, the the flat feeling after putting ourselves in the box seat to, to, to win that game and just getting absolutely overrun. I think that is a lack of experience. But at the same time, I think that young team will learn a lot from that. And, you know, you, you made the point... Ash about the, you know, the, the team sort of not training uh, for, for situations like that. I think that's correct at this sta- stage of development. They're not, you know, I think I think you learn that stuff in game. And I think, you know, when you're in the frame for finals, maybe you do that sort of situational training. So I think that was pretty telling in the end that this, the Tigers are vastly experienced. They're doing situational training. Some of them it's just inbuilt and, you know, the likes of Cochin and Rewalt and, uh, you know, Dusty kind of stood up there at the end. But, um, yeah, felt felt pretty flat after that game. And uh, I, think, I think, you know, Sis, Sis's post-match comments about it being one of the worst losses he can remember really sums it up. Sisley uh, got uh,
1: 10 coaches votes, which was, high, in a losing team, even by a point, um, that is highly, highly unusual. So... Um... He really did play a fantastic game. Brad, have we missed
0: anyone? Uh no. In terms of the bat sorry, I just I missed the I couldn't hear Daz, he was cutting out for me. Um am I doing the good or the bad?
3: Oh, can you hear me now, Brad?
0: Yeah. I can hear yeah, you. Yeah, no, I
3: just just went through a laundry list of the bad, but you can Feel
0: free to add to it if you want to. I watched the no, nah, um, I watched uh, the replay back. I thought the three, the first three quarters was some of the best footy we played uh, all season. I thought uh, the midfield was uh, brilliant. Richmond do have a really strong uh, midfield with Prestia, Taranto, uh, Hopper, and a few others. Um, I agree with Daz. DGB as a forward was an absolute uh, disaster. Uh, he either needs to, um, you know. He has to play uh, back. So I don't think there's a spot for him in the seniors at the moment. So he needs to finish the season off at Box Hill. He needs to play down back for the rest of the season, get some uh, confidence back and hopefully have a massive pre-season. Um, if he stays at uh, the footy club, I think he's going to be gone. I just, I've just i got a feeling Sam Mitchell um, you know, doesn't believe he's part of uh, the future. I might be completely uh, wrong, but I'd be surprised if he's at the club next season. Um, he's got but, a contract uh, for next uh,
1: overall, He's got a contract, though, Brad.
0: He'll be uh, traded at the end of the season, in my uh, opinion. I hope I'm wrong, um, but I think he's going to be traded at the end of the year. All right, we'll see. Uh, Dave, good evening.
4: Evening, boys. How are you going? We're good. I, I watched the game. I was... Uh, I it happened to be in Adelaide and then watch the game but I've watched a replay. I reckon we lost the game in the third quarter. We belted them all over the part in the third quarter, but we kept banging it into the forward line and they and there was no one there. Lewis was kicking it into the forward line to no one. We had the, we were 37 points up and put three balls into the forward line and each time there was no one there, they cleared it. If we kicked two goals in that third, halfway through that third quarter, we'd been 50 points up and the game's cooked. All, what happened at the end happened at the end. But the third quarter, we could have buried him. We could have been 55, 60 points up if we'd had us. And this is what we talked about and Darren brought up. If we had a second big forward to go with Lewis, we'd win that game comfortably. And if the Tribunal had done the right thing and suspended Dusty, he wouldn't have played.
1: Uh, well, you know, it was a little bit of the guts and... Uh... I don't think he deserved to get suspended for that. But uh, Now, you're right. There was that feeling watching the game at, at the game live. They were playing. or It was a bit disbelieved. The Hawthorne supporters were almost disbelieving at how well they were playing at stages. It wasn't really affected the way the supporters were, were, were carrying on. Richmond supporters were stunned. Both sets of supporters were stunned into silence, actually. Both the Richmond supporters they could be so, so far behind Hawthorne and Hawthorne supporters and how well they play. But you're right. There was time when they kept getting the ball down. They kept kicking the bolter. bolter would just take the relieving mark and... Sent it back the other way. But Richmond, I mean, Rewalt was going like a busted ass for the first three quarters. He wasn't doing anything. So the ball was coming out just out of Hawthorne's back half almost as easily as it was coming out of Richmond. And, we would, and the Hawks were dominating the clearance, dominating was dominating the centre. So, so many ingredients to win that game were right. But um, there's a theory that um, a lot of people had that post-game that as badly as he was going in terms of not affecting the contest, Taking DGB off was actually structurally a bad move because if nothing else, he would have he could have evened up the contest down the ground and and perhaps even put some pressure on Bolter and just been up to man up on whoever the rebounding Richmond defender was. And that for one, you know, he doesn't make too many bad moves, Sam Mitchell. But the the, the coaches box the moves made in the coaching box didn't help Hawthorne's, um didn't help Hawthorne the day. What do you think about that, Dave?
4: Yeah. I... I look, it's it's a decision when a bloke's got zeros across the board, and even to an extent like the last few weeks, I have thought he's actually defended the forward line really well in the sense of the ball in the air. He brought it around. He didn't get close to it on the weekend, and we and and in instead of Lewis being up in the at the halfway line or halfway mark, um, in the center of the ground. Sorry, I'm talking rugby league in the center of the ground. We could have had. DGB up halfway through the ground, and then Lewis is in the forward line, and that means Bolter's then got to go to him and not just wandering around the forward line, doing what he likes. But it was even kicking it to nobodies; they were kicking it and hoping that either Bruce or um Chatted run onto it, and they were just cleaning it up. That third quarter, we could have been fifty or sixty points up, but that's footy. We we do some things even in the late in the court, the penalty that the free kick that um. The, for the verbal that Sis um, gave away, and um, there was a turnover that ended up straight back into. Um, we they scored a goal on every thirty second, last thirty seconds of each quarter, and then at the end, yeah. so we little mistakes we made, as you said, added all up to the collapse at the end, where maybe we could have been seven or eight goals up at three quarter time rather than you know thirty. Yeah, I'm not a betting person of football, but if I was wanting to do a bet, bet
1: on Hawthorne conceding a goal in red time uh, at least two or three times a game. No, they're absolute masters. When there's a, minute of, there's a minute of football left in the quarter, you can back it in Hawthorne's going to concede a goal. They do it, do it almost every week. And it's incredibly, incredibly frustrating. And someone's pointed out, Nick pointed out already on, the, on Twitter tonight, they've moved Screenshaw forward for a while as well, to try and sort of be a bit more effective than DGB. But that did, I mean, Scrimshaw's had his moments playing out of the forward line, but uh, like a few, he really struggled to get the game. And before we put a button, in that game, it was quite interesting because, I mean, you look back at we did our ratings the other night and uh, not that many, you know, the, the, for a game Hawthorne was leading for all but the last, 90, you know, the last 90 seconds or so, then not a lot of Hawthorne players, you could say, played really well for the entire
2: game, Danny. No, they didn't, and we. I mean, it's it's probably the um, calling card of a young side uh, is that you know flashing in and out of games rather than um, that four to four quarter consistency. You'd like to see it from more of our experienced hands, but this is the uh, the cards we're dealt. Um, you know, from from a uh, a playing list perspective, when we cut and you know intentionally or unintentionally in the off season, guys like. Um, Jager O'Meara, Tom Mitchell, Jack Guns, and Ben McAvoy. We know the story with all of those. But losing that sort of experience all in one time means that your senior players that have been there and done that um, aren't necessarily spread across the ground. And I, and I think, you know, when you're relying on players like Chad Wingard and Sam Frost to be your experience, they're sort of a little bit flaky. Um, Regardless, um, and not necessarily always four quarter performers, so uh, it can be it can be a little tricky when you couple that with uh, youth and inexperience that we have across the board. So that puts a bow on the AFL game, a
1: disappointing result. Now earlier in the day, uh, down the uh, just around the corner at Punt Road, similar sort of game. right? Box Hill led comfortably for most of the day. Richmond came back very hard towards the end, but in this game, Box Hill actually held on. Held on to get the win, uh, by uh, what was the match by three points over the Tigers. Um, interesting to see how the player stats went. Callum Brown once again was a dominant player with thirty six disposals. Uh, Porter had twenty eight. Then you get to some of the Hawthorn players. Bramwell had twenty seven. McKenzie, twenty seven. Morrison twenty five. Stevens twenty three. Jacker played one of his best games so far. I think his best game of the season. Box Hill had twenty. Uh, Baton goal had 16. Cozzy uh, had 13 but kicked four goals. Two. uh, Sarong played reasonably well in the back line. Ryan kicked two goals. One from 11 touches. Danny, you wrote a very good piece for the Insider Substack earlier in the week. Who is knocking on? And we'll get to Brad's, uh, we'll preview Brad's selection dissection later on, but who's knocking on the door? Who, Who Who? we? Do, who do we have to see for Well, the I mean,
2: year? it depends on if we're talking about, you know, whose form is just, you know, ready to be selected or if we're looking at which players we haven't seen. And I guess my piece focused um, on the players that we haven't yet seen for Hawthorne at AFL level. Um, and I think there's two uh, really clear standouts in that from that perspective. Um, obviously, uh, from a midfielder, um, uh, in the category of midfielders, you... you you're waiting to see when, if at all, we will see Cooper Stevens. Uh, he played more in the actual midfield uh, this week as an inside mid. And I think that was obviously with Hustweight hurting his ankle during the week in training and not playing uh, for Box Hill. And then Ned Long also being the sub for Hawthorne and not playing for Box Hill. Um, Cooper Stevens was asked to play uh, a predominantly midfield role and I, I, I think played fairly serviceably. Um, but then also... We've um, ranted and raved about Hawthorne's lack of functionality in the forward line. Um, Do you go back to the tried and not necessarily trusted Jacob Kaczynski or do you give an opportunity to, um, you know, our mid-season rookie draft selection in Brandon Ryan? As a 25-year-old, 200-centimetre forward who can ruck, uh, with Ned Reeves out of the game on the weekend, potentially you're, you're looking at a Meek and Ryan combination. And and Ryan only needs to play a couple of minutes a quarter and then let me ruck the rest of the game. But I think he can really provide another key marking target and give the uh, midfielders that extra option to kick to. And Ryan is a skinny guy, um, lanky guy, but uh, incredibly tall and can can take a contested mark. So they would be the two I think that we're looking to see before the year's out. Um, I would suggest they'd really want to see Brandon Ryan because uh, I believe he's only on a six-month contract. And um, if you're not seeing signs that, uh, that a 25-year-old can play in that half of the season, you're probably not getting another contract. So, um, yeah, that's, that's probably a summation of, of the piece. Um, and hopefully we get to see both those guys as quickly as possible.
1: He, um, right, he's, he's certainly amongst the goals. Uh, Mick, uh, Mick was at training today, said Green didn't train. Uh, or hardly trained at all. So uh, I know th- I think their big session for the week will be Friday, given they're playing Sunday. But say uh, Green's in doubt. So if they want to find a second forward to come to the side this week, it would be down to Kaczynski or Ryan. You would think, um, and I've got a gut feeling Stevens will play this week. I'm not sure how it's going to structure, but I just have this feeling that uh, with no mail at all, that, that he will come into the side. So Box Hill 1. They remain fourth on the ladder. They're a pretty good chance to play finals. I think we'll get a um, all I'm trying to do for this is get some clarity around eligibility because I'm not sure whether the um, Cam McKenzie is being held out of the Hawthorne side now because I actually think his his development for the rest of the season will be far will be better by being sort of an inside mid and being a, a leading midfielder for a team play that plays VFL finals rather than being a fringe midfielder playing to sub or playing primarily on a flank for Hawthorne. So I'm sure Mitchell's got a plan and a thought process behind everything, but we'll try and get the eligibility sorted out for next week and we'll know who's on track to play finals of box hill. They have uh, I think four more games. Well the wild card and the V might have five games to go as well. So we'll get to the bottom of that for next week. Got a few more questions coming in which is great and observations we'll get to them towards the end. So one of the two big things to go through uh, at the moment, news of the Hawks. We might um, revisit the have a bit of fun with some players in mean, have rumoured about going to the Hawks, and we'll get the, the the team and your opinions as well, all of you as to these players. But uh, the news broke um, on Saturday morning on crunch time with Sam Edmund on SEN, and again with Caroline Wilson on Monday about the difficulties at Hall.
2: Have we lost you there, Ash?
0: Yeah, I think he's gone. He's dropped
2: out. The Twitter spaces Gremlins have struck again. Um... I've no idea what he was going to say. either. No, he was going to give.
0: I, I'm pretty sure he had. A, yeah, I think he's had an update on uh, Dingley, which is quite important. I think he had a session this afternoon with someone from the club. Hopefully, I'm hoping that's. I know he mentioned he had a good update for us all on the Dingley situation.
3: This may be being censored by the club right now um, for, for for dropping a bombshell. Yeah. Um,
2: oh, is he back? got you no i'm sure it was going to be incredible piece of information Daz. (laughs)
3: Uh, yeah well that's it for the pod then yeah can we can we go on with that no i'm here can you hear me um oh yes geez we're we're about to call time on this one happened there sorry
1: my bad um yeah um Somehow went on to Caroline Wilson. Was so Caroline Wilson something. and Caroline Wilson and uh, Sam Edmund have um, been reporting on Dingley. Um, I had a briefing from the club this evening, so I'm just going to run through a couple of things that the club said to me. And I'm sorry about uh, the uh, cut out before. So the club remains committed to Dingley. Um, forget any talk that uh, they might forget about it and just remain at Waverley. But um, there have been that they do admit there are challenges that they have faced and continue to face in terms of uh, the whole project. They have had some recent objections uh, from they've had to deal with from nearby people, mainly around traffic, which they say sort of out of their control a bit, and also what the lighting situation is going to be, but they have now been resolved. So they're soldier-on. The early work that's taken place here is what they call capping. They've done things like map out where the ovals are going to be, but they haven't really started construction yet. There's always been concerns over the um, because it used to be a landfill, and there was concern but it, uh, that there might be some in one part of the site that there might be some sort of some sort of gases released from the, from the from the ground where where some of this uh, and I don't even know the terminology half of this from for where some of the uh, toxic soil or toxic earth might have been, but they've seen, they think they think they fixed that with this what they call the capping. They haven't got any real concerns in that area. Um, the delay in construction is not unique a lot of people involved in the building world are facing delay the project's been delayed because there's a shortage of labour and a shortage of material and Hawthorne has been affected by that with Dingley Um, there won't be massive delays as has been suggested but it is fair to say now the, the most recent estimate was ready to open in the last quarter of 2024. That's probably now been pushed back to early 2025, which probably does mean that AFLW is now looking at two more seasons of using Frankston and other locations as a home ground before they finally get to play their home games in Dingley. Um, So construction hasn't quite started yet. They could, and they haven't ruled out, though, the possibility they could just fast-track building the actual oval. An an oval and some even semi- permanent change facilities to play AFLW there in 2024, but that is not something they have made a final decision on yet. i got the impression from the conversation saying they're more likely to just hold their horses for another 12 months and then move into the whole thing in 2025 and start playing the games, the AFLW games there that season. Um, Waverley, uh, bursting at the scenes at Waverley, um, they they have to they can't do they, they, they really want that second oval which they don't have um, they can't build lights there either so they're pretty restricted what they can do at Waverley in terms of growing a really outgrown facility so they've got no choice but to solder on at Dingley they admit that they pay a reasonably cheap price for Dingley and Dingley was really only feasible because it was a site that had uh, some the, the land there had some issues and they got they probably did get a bit on the cheap but they've worked through what they think most of the issues are for there. Um, they said that they went into Dingley the whole time with their eyes open. They knew what sort of land facility it was, and as I said, they had to work through it. It and taken extra long to get it ready. So that's more or less where it's at. So they know there's challenges, but the club is proceeding with the development. Um, it, it might cost them a little bit more to build it than they first anticipated, but they're not overly concerned about that. Um, they're just looking forward to getting in there. It just won't be as uh, quite as soon as everybody hoped. That is more or less what they told me this evening. Patrick, I know this is your wheelhouse. Any comments or
0: questions? I was just going to say, I'm just wondering what the heck Kara was thinking. The Hawks would do otherwise. Like, do we take? Is she suggesting we take over like the gym at Waverley and re- build up there, or like? Move the AFLW to Box Hill or something. Like, I don't get how she thinks we could stay at Waverly when we've got like no land, no parking or anything. Yeah, well, I think she's
1: looking and say it's just too hard. I mean, given that there's, yeah you know, it's taken, it's a project's taken a very long time to build, you eventually cut your losses. And it wouldn't be the first time it's happened in conference industry that you cut your losses and say, you know what, this project's a bit too difficult. We're not going to go ahead with it. So that's happened before, but Hawthorne, you know, it's been put to Hawthorne. Is that what they're going to do? And, uh, you know, as of my conversation this evening, and this, what they're saying is that's not their plan. They are bursting at the seams. And anyone who's been to Waverley, and you know, if you've had the good fortune, you know, to not just go to the museum or watch training, but actually go through the facilities they've got there, there really isn't a lot of... There's not much fat there anymore at Waverley. They have what was a brilliant state-of-the-art facility in 2006 when it opened, at best of its kind, is not really now dated. I would argue that perhaps Melbourne, which is sort of, Spread amongst two or three different locations, only Melbourne now and Richmond, I guess, who are about to a big redevelopment of Park Road, probably have the worst facilities in the competition now. So they they have to go ahead with Dingley. You wonder now, in hindsight, you know, they did look at other venues. There was talk at one stage they were looking for a, a venue sort of, uh, almost sort of about one turn away, I think it was, sort of near the uh, near the uh, East Link, somewhere around there. Maybe that might have been the more preferable venue that. Uh, that they looked at that's obviously too late for that now. They're committed, it's just gonna take a long time, and I guess when it comes to construction, they're in the queue waiting for a window to, to get the uh, to get everyone out there to to resume the building. But uh, that's more or less where it's at.
0: Patrick, anything else? Uh no, that's that's uh, pretty good. Good update, I guess. Like at least it's still going on, on and everything and it hasn't been shelved.
1: It hasn't been shelf, but we're just all looking to be a little bit more patient than we have been. Um, Andrew, good evening.
4: Good evening, boys. Go ahead. Yeah, I've got uh, my trades according to the traders uh, really rock solid. So I have Rick Parker for Crouch. Is that a good option there for having Parker?
1: For what, for what are you what are you referring to, mate? Um for dream team.
4: Yeah. Uh
1: well we we might park that question for later on, mate. We we were also talking about Hawthorne at the moment. Okay. So do you have know, any Hawthorne questions for us.
4: Uh, Hawthorne is doing very really well lately. Of uh, Cicely sitting back there nicely.
1: Cicely's going very yeah. well. We're very happy with Sicily. And what do you think uh who who are the other Hawthorne players are going well in the in, in that in that area?
4: Oh, for me, uh, apart from Sicily Blake uh, Hardwick was the other one. That might be a yeah. possible to
1: to yeah. play. Rarely he rarely plays a bad game, uh, Blake Hardwick. Andrew, thank you. We're going to stick to Hawthorne questions, but uh, thank you so much for, um, for joining us.
4: How's oh, that, guys?
1: Good to, good to talk to you. Um, all right. So that is it. Any, any more comments on Dingley from what I have to say? Anybody?
2: Uh, I would just say that although it's disappointing that um, there are delays and further cost uh, blowouts, like you said, Ash, um, it's the Dingley project is not unique uh, to cost blowouts in the construction industry at the moment. Um, so you know it's not anything to get too excited about. I think when it's a football club and you've got football journo's like Sam Edmund and Caro, um, it's their job to report it. But putting the mail on it that you know potentially you know we're, they're going to just give up on on that move. Just really is for the clicks, and I think to get a great uh, update from the club, like we did, um, you know, puts every all supporters' minds at ease. And I think that that's, you know, uh, it's still the long term ga- game. And um, yeah, I think that it, even if it's delayed half a year, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, I really
1: think it's been a perfect storm for Hawthorne, a combination of, I mean, and a lot of us do with COVID—they've been caught up badly by COVID. That pretty much shelved it for two years and even they stopped raising money for it for a while because of that 18 months when everything shut down because of the, the pandemic. So it's been a perfect storm, the perfect storm of COVID, a, a problematic uh, location Well, you know, in terms of the work required has sort of blown it out. And I think everyone's just going to be a little bit more patient. Um, it will get there. It should be worthwhile. It'll be worth the wait if it's as good a facility as I planning it to be it will be worth the wait. By the way, Sam Edmund is uh, going to be coming on to Spaces in the next couple of weeks to talk about this and a couple of other things. Hawthorne is very keen to come on and have a chat. All right, so um, let's move on now to what everyone's favourite wheelhouse is, is uh, talk about players who may or may not be coming to Hawthorne. And a few, three players have been linked to Hawthorne this week and this is your domain, Danny, and this is particularly your domain, Brad, as well. Anyone else wants to join us jump on as well. So um, the three players we've spoken about in different ways are uh, Osama Radigalia from Geelong um, Ben Mackay from North Melbourne and the news broke today, Zach Fisher from Carlton was also in Hawthorne Sights, I know you've got some views on him uh, Brad, let's we'll start with, big, uh, we'll start with uh, uh, Osama Radigalia from Geelong uh, he's been linked to Port Adelaide, they tried very much to get him last year but uh, Apparently Hawthorne are in there having a bit of a chat as well. It looks like there's sort of two key defenders out there, McKay and Radagalia, and three clubs being Hawthorne, Essendon and Port Adelaide who seem to be into them. So someone's going to miss out. A bit like musical chair. Someone's going to miss out. What are your thoughts on Radagalia? Start with you, Danny.
2: Uh, I think I'll preface all of my comments on bringing players in from other clubs by saying, Um, my preference would be to stay the course uh, with our youngsters unless we can get these players for very little draft capital. So that would be my first point. And um, I think somebody like Asava Radagalia, where the Cats are at the moment, the value he will have to them would be too great for what they, in terms of what they would want in return for what I would be willing to give up. I think, uh, and is a solid key defender. I think he's had a fairly decent year this year, but I think he currently sits outside the Geelong team, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, you know, I think he would be an improvement on some of the defensive stocks that we do have, key defensive stocks we have. But he's not a game changer. He's not a. Um, he doesn't fast-track the timeline in any way, shape, or form from, for me. And because of that, I think... I'd rather just give it a miss.
1: Daz?
3: Yeah, totally agree with with Danny. I mean, unless he goes back to being a Ford, which is kind of what we're crying out for. Um, I think he's he's a player that's played really well in patches, and he's he's had a pretty decent year. But um, yeah, it just I just don't think it's worth what we'd be giving up to to get him um, and. You know, it's very clear that we will be targeting key position players. I think in in, uh, in the trade period, but um, yeah, not, not not the one for me.
0: What do you think, Brad? Uh, agree, absolutely. Uh, Radicalia will be at either Port Adelaide or uh, Geelong next season. He won't be at Hawthorne. Uh, I yeah, definitely agree with the boys. I think Geelong are probably going to try for you know, he's try for a second round pick, which you know. Potential and talent wise, he's still quite young. I think, how old would he be? 24, 25?
2: Yeah, about,
0: about not, that. He's not. He's definitely not old. Yeah so, he's, yeah, so his age profile is actually pretty good for us, but I um, agree with what uh, you boys are saying. I'm pretty sure uh, he'll be heading to Port Adelaide on a four or five year deal if he doesn't stay too long. So, yeah, a no to Asaba for me. All right, well,
1: I'll stick with you, Brad. What about. Uh... Ben Mackay should Hawthorne try and uh, get involved in, in He's his guy he's no one and his playing for for North next year Essendon would, would seem to be the front runner yeah Hawthorne try and prime
0: no uh, he would be uh, like he's an interesting one he's an injury prone um I think at a good club he'd actually be a really good uh, player um I think he'll be at the Bombers uh, next season um from what I've heard uh he will he's almost that deal's just about done. Um, they're going to offer him a long-term deal and pretty decent money. It's going to roll a lot of supporters because North are going to get a um, a top ten draft pick for him. So um, top three draft pick. A, yeah, they probably will. I'm pretty sure he's going to get a four or five year deal on 750 plus. So they probably will. They'll probably end up with pick three. And then they've got uh, their academy kid. I think it's Riley Sanders. Is that his name, Quincy? Yeah, that, that um, one's contentious. Very
2: interesting. To... He's not actually an academy yeah, very
0: kid. very contentious. Yeah, so there's a very good chance North Melbourne are going to end up with um, picks two and three and get this academy kit as well. So it's going to uh, ruffle a few feathers come uh, the you know trade and draft period. Um, Mackay, I think, would definitely be an upgrade on what we've currently got. Um, I like James Blank, but I think if you put a Ben Mackay with a Sicily, um, Will McCabe's going to come into the side, uh, Weddle down back, um, you know, uh, the run of Seamus Mitchell... I think he'd be a great get, but I think he'll be at the Bombers uh, next season, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, the, the talk with North Melbourne is they're getting up four, four players, four top 20 picks. Of, you know, if you, Sanders is a top 10 pick, but they'll get him to almost pre-listed. Pick two, which is their live pick, pick three with a compensation from McKay. And they got Port Adelaide's first pick, which was part of the Jason Horn Francis deal. So that's pick seventeen. So they're going to they're going to sweep the pool for the young players next year, North Melbourne. So um, and that's without the and then there's a priority pick conversation, Although Sanders might be the equivalent of the priority pick. So um, that is where they're looking. I'm not convinced Hawthorne will get either of them. I would think Radicale would be good at Hawthorne, I think. Got a flexibility to play either end um, it certainly, certainly helped plug a hole in the back line sticking in the forward line I think it would be better than just having every other option as a second forward that they've got at the moment but I do think the ship has sailed, the only thing you would say Darren, we've heard anecdotally from a few people and we knew this last year with Jack Bowes being one example, if you get Sam in a room he is very very convincing and mounted a very compelling case so if Mitchell can just get in front of these players they might have half a chance
3: yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, isn't that a great asset to have um, as a team? And, you know, obviously Sam's very much respected, not just as a coach, but, but as a player and got a good relationship with, with some of the West Coast players as well. Heard Liam Ryan was at a Hawks game the other week as well. So I don't know if we we're going to get to, to, to that discussion. But um, Oh, yes,
1: we will get to that discussion. So let's throw it open to... Two four forwards at Hawthorne have been linked to, one being Liam Ryan and the other one being Zach Fisher.
2: Danny, what would you say to, one, to either of them? Uh, first thing I would say is I like both players. individually. Um, I think that they both have a lot of talent. Um, Zach Fisher is one I've had my eye on for a long time. I think he's another one of those guys that uh, hasn't been able to quite put it together at Carlton. Um in lengthy periods. He's had patches of really good football. I actually think he's more of a high half forward slash midfielder. He's a very good user of the ball when he gets a bit of time and space. Um, he would be one I would be interested at looking at if, say, a Tyler Brockman moves back to WA. Um, I think he could play a similar sort of role to um, what Dylan Moore does, where he plays up off the high, uh, off the half forward flank and um, runs into the midfield and onto the wing, getting a lot of the ball and using it well. I think our, we saw on Sunday, uh, Saturday that our delivery to our forward line needs to improve. And I think somebody like Zach Fisher could help with that. Um, but again, I really want to stress, it depends on how much we have to give up for these players. Um, the, most, or the least desirable player on the list that you've mentioned, Ash, for me is, uh, is Ben Mackay. But he's also the most desirable because, from a asset um, perspective, he wouldn't we wouldn't have to give up anything to get him. So, um, so yeah, that's my my stance on Zach Fisher. And similar to Liam Ryan, um, you know, twenty six ish for Ryan, and and Zach Fisher would be twenty five or something similar. Um, so they still kind of fit in our in our timeline. Um, Liam Ryan, obviously, incredibly talented. Um, uh, high flying electric forward. He would bring bring people into the uh, through the gates. Um, I always kind of saw Liam Ryan as a WA only kind of player. Um, but if he's open to coming to Melbourne and you know the the asking price isn't too much, I think I think he could do some damage playing next to um, next next to Mitch Lewis. Um, Again, it all depends on what the asking price is for me for all of these players, to be honest. And if it's too high, I would rather just go to the draft, continue to go to the draft, and see if we can get, um, you know, maybe an experienced player like Nick Haynes in with a draft pick from Gold Coast for salary cap relief or something like that. So um, that would be my preference.
1: I was surprised to see, like, oh, like you, I was very surprised to hear Liam Ryan named linked to Hawthorn. I thought he was just a player who's yeah, playing for West Coast. Yeah, he's a mature age recruit to West Coast out of the waffle. Just struck me as someone who's who's only ever going to play his footy for one of the WA clubs. Maybe there's a Sam Mitchell element to it. Maybe he's someone that uh, really you know he flourished under under Sam Mitchell and playing alongside him. And then being, that year Mitchell was a coach at West Coast, and that might be a relationship exercise. Uh, Brad Zach Fisher reminds me a little bit of a sort of a more fleet-footed Chad Wingard. He would. Uh, He'd be that
0: great in Chad Wingard, wouldn't he? I was going to say the exact same thing. I agree with Princey. I think he's... Fisher could be a really quality player. But does he play the same role? Princey mentioned Moore. We've obviously got uh, Connor McDonald as well, um, who plays the role. I'd absolutely rather Fisher than Chad uh, next year. I think, you know, Chad can uh, offer something to a club in the window still. I think Zach Fisher's the good age profile for our uh, list. But like Princey said, you know... It, it'll all be dependent on what we'd have to give up. I think Carlton wouldn't, couldn't expect too much for Fisher. He's been playing in the VFL for most of, uh, you know, probably the last six to eight weeks. Uh, but I think uh, the question is, you know, do you see him in our starting 22, um, you know, come round one next season? We'll have more uh, McDonald. If Fisher comes in, it probably means a Sam Butler uh, doesn't play. Um, I think Butler... I'm a bit disappointed in his season. Uh, this year, this was really a year for Butler to cement a spot in the starting 22. I think he still has potential, but I think next year is going to be his last year uh, to crack it. So, Well, he's, okay, he's
1: not only signed for two more years.
0: Who? Uh, Butler? Does he still have two years? I thought he only had one. I
2: think he's got 2 is
0: hasn't he? Danny?
2: Uh, yeah, no, I thought he had uh, uh, at least next year um, As a contract, I thought he re signed, yeah. The
0: end of next yeah, season, I thought he re signed okay.
2: last year for two years. I yeah. might be wrong,
0: so he's got one more Rock. year.
2: So I think one next year, year will right? be Butler's,
0: Butler's last year. But um, I have uh, mentioned in our group recently, I think Hawthorne are going to be massive, massive uh, players in draft and trade period. I think Rob McCartney spoke on our podcast, Um, I've heard him speak a few times to say that we will be targeting some mature age senior players as well in the off season. So i watch the space. I think Hawks are going to surprise quite a few people come uh, trade time.
1: Well, it's going to make things more interesting that uh, if they do that, so we'll, we'll watch the space. More players are going to speculate about uh, for the next little while. I said, Liam Ryan, Liam Ryan, totally intrigued. You know, every year you hear Hawthorne, you hear a player lead to club, it really surprises you. And, uh, Ryan to Hawthorne did surprise me. But if uh, if Brockman was to leave, that's, even though there's a bit of an age difference between them, you would take Ryan for you know three, four years. If Brockman was to move on, I think that would be a move. I'd welcome the Hawks making. A bit more news to, uh, to do with Hawthorne today was that uh, on SCN last night, Daniel Hoyne said there are four Hawthorne players who are in the top 50 of the... Champion Data rankings, and he said that they were uh, it was Sicily, Newcomb, Moore, and Amon. Amon. So four, which uh, led to a whole lot of people then basically uh, putting crap on Champion Data's rankings and and not believing it. Were you surprised by that, uh, Brad? Uh,
0: absolutely. Um- Jai, yes. Sicily, yes. Um, In my opinion, Dylan Moore and Amon um, haven't had great seasons. I know uh, Amon's last month's been really, really solid. I thought the first 10 to 12 uh, weeks of the season, he was average. Um, Prinzi might I disagree. Uh, Dylan Moore below, um, I think he's had a really... Not a poor season, but comparing to how he'd been in previous seasons, um, last year in particular, he was Unbelievable. But I think due to the fact our midfield has been quite strong this season, he hasn't been able to go into the midfield. I think he's really struggled. He tries really hard, but it hasn't had an impact on the game. There's no way in the world Dylan Moore is a top 50 player in the AFL this season. Um, I think, uh, yeah. So, Amon and Moore, no. Um, Cicely and Jay, yes. Will Day I'd have in front of uh, the other two. I think uh, Will Day is definitely, um, in my opinion... Um, A top 50 player in the AFL this season?
1: Yeah, well, the champion data rankings, they uh, befuddle and surprise people. That's a bit like the Secret Herbs and Spices they used to determine draft compensation. But if they say there are four Hawthorne players in the top 50, then that's a reasonable sign for me. Let's get to uh, last talking point before we get to questions. Uh, Danny, will day 50 games? You can open
2: the batting for this Oh, I just want to wax lyrically about the development of Will Day over the last sort of 20 of them being this year. I just think, um, you know, he is one of our young players with uh, an incredibly high ceiling, a ceiling we haven't yet seen. And, um, yeah, I, I'm just super excited that we've got him as um, on our list. I know that that was the draft where if uh, Dean Anderson had a played I think it's something like 13 more games for the Hawks. We would add access to Noah Anderson, but I, for one, one one more season. But I, for one, am incredibly happy with Will Day. And I think when their careers play out, Will Day will have a better career than Noah Anderson. So um, there's a hot take for Ooh. you this evening. Uh, I think Will is um, just scratching the surface of what his... Uh, ability is and what he will get out of himself as an AFL footballer so um, credit to him Um, his season this year has been really really good Uh, injury obviously prevented him from getting to 50 games faster than what he has but I can see the next 50 being very very quick should his body allow Uh,
1: Daz do you think Will Davies better played five years than, uh, than Noah Anderson
3: Ooh, that is a hard question. Uh, uh, no, I wish I, wish <laughs> I, I could say yes. Because uh, I think I'm, I'm a huge Noah Anderson fan. I, I feel like we he's still gettable for us, even though he's signed a long-term contract. Um, but Will Day's a super player. And you could tell from the second that he burst onto the, the scene with that incredible first goal for the club that he was going to be special. Um, I'm just so wrapped that he's getting a run, a real run at it this year. And he's had a, a really, you know, I don't want to jinx him now, but he's, he's had a really uh, good year with his body's Body's kind of let him down in the past. And I think that's been a combination of just not having the sort of physical, uh, you know, is taken a while to develop. And then also the work that he's done with Peter Burge, in getting Cherry right for the year and knowing the standards that he needs to hit to, to, to kind of get the most out of his body. Um, and, yeah, he's been awesome watching him in the midfield this year. I think we're all waiting for that move to happen. We could all see those traits. And he's part of a very exciting and promising young midfield contingent um, that, is, that has actually been really consistent uh, through this year when, when other lines have been quite experimental.
1: All right. Let's get some questions and uh, observations from Greg. I thought Cosi was stiff to be dropped four weeks ago as our forward line has functioned the best all year when he was second fiddle to Mitch. A few people feel that way, um, and certainly when Hawthorne beats St Kilda, we'll all remember uh, that guttural roar when Cosie kicked the goal of Hawthorne in front. So if it's horses for courses, Cosie comes back this week to play against St Kilda's team that is also now missing Dougal Howard. They're just about their best defender. Brad will go through that before we finish a bit of a preview of selection dissection. Walk. would you get Tom McDonald's to stopgap if it didn't cost you much on the trade table? He's older but still a good player and fits out as need at centre-half forward. Cos he won't be there for our next premiership and Rams although I love him. Probably isn't ready to be the second banana up forward. Quick word on Tom McDonald.
0: Brad? Uh, I like Tom uh, McDonald. Uh, he's a good swingman. Uh, injury-prone. Misses a lot of games through an injury. I think when he plays well for Melbourne, he's actually a really, really good player. Um, would I want him at Hawthorne? I'd say probably pass on Tom McDonald.
1: From Glenn, hopefully Walpole does not leave the club as he has had a, had a wonderful season. But if he does, would it be worth putting Callum Brown on the list as a backup inside bid? He seems to do most things well and get the position at will. Could just have done a chance. Well, I think the club you know, could have grabbed uh, Callum Brown pre-season or mid-season if they'd seen enough of what he's like to... Uh, again to the footy club. There's probably reasons that they just think he's not quite there. Let's hope Warple uh, is not going anywhere because his body of work over the last few weeks has been fantastic and let's hope he puts pen to paper quite soon. Mick tells us that uh, 12 games at AFL looks a bit cut up with some other caveats of VFL eligibility, so we should keep watching brief. I don't have Mackenzie in front of me, his stats, but I don't think he's played 12 games yet, so wouldn't be surprised if uh, they keep Mackenzie VFL eligible for the finals. Um, why is North, for Mr. Jazz, why is North going to get picked three for McKay? He's worth about pick 50. You're probably right in that respect, but it all, it's all to do with uh, his age, he's only 25. The compensation and the terms of the deal uh, will bump it up and North, and it'll be done so that North can get picked three. The AFL will use that as a way of uh, trying to give North Melbourne a leg up. Not like they've had enough legs up over the journey. Uh, for Mick, Wonturner would have been the equivalent of St. Seaford. You're probably right, uh, Dingley needs a bit of convincing as well. I was talking to someone recent, last week who grew up in the Dingley area and he cannot believe that Hawthorne would willingly set up shop in a place like Dingley. The guy's lived there his whole life and thinks it's a shithole. So let's hope we prove this guy wrong. Um, um, Patrick makes the point, which a couple did more updates on the Dingley, uh, to be honest. Especially now, the racism cycle has been parked in the media. Uh, well, hopefully, we'll hear more from Dingley. We hope we gave you a bit of an update tonight. Um, do we blame Brad for the loss? What he's saying. So, so uh, walk. Does anyone know what time they train on Friday? I've got. No I'm thinking I'll take the young one. Um, anyone? Anyone that Danny, what's on that train?
2: What's a good time to go? But nine, yeah, 40, I, thought, 10 I thought it was about ten o'clock, and um, I think uh, Mick Mitchell talks around ten yeah, o'clock. So, and he talked to the start of trading. So. Mick, Mick actually responded to walk and said ten ten thirty is the usual start time. Mitchell does his press conference there, and so um, yeah, so we'll be looking around that time. But look again, another one of those things that the club sort of doesn't share the information very willingly. Well, most clubs do To be fair, they about when they train. If you get there,
1: if you if you're lucky to you get there, they train. It's great, but they don't shout it from the streets about what time they're training. Hawk twelve says DGB will be traded. Uh, Andrew says McKenzie's on 12 senior games, which is the limit. Which means if he plays one more game, he's not therefore eligible. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Um, anything else? No, I think that's pretty much it for now. For the questions, thanks everybody as always for your feedback and input. Uh, Brad, uh, early look at uh, selection dissection for this week.
0: Uh, Yep, no major, major changes. Obviously, Meek will come in for Reeves. Big test for Meek this week. Uh, Marshall is a top probably three or four ruck in the comp. Um, The big question is going to be is who comes in to play that second key forward role. I think DGB is going to go back to Box Hill. Uh, Cozzy kicked four last week for Box Hill. Uh, Ryan kicked two. He's been pretty good the last month. I think it'd be good to see uh, Ryan. But I think Cozzy obviously you know, kicked clutch goal against the Saints last time. Kicked four. I think he's earned another crack um, at it. We have to bring in another key forward. Uh, we've seen in the last few weeks a few players get a rest. I know Seamus got a rest a few weeks ago. I think Weddle, I've mentioned a few weeks ago, I think he's due to get a rest. Um, so maybe Weddle, one of the mids might get a rest as well and we might see um, a Cooper Stevens uh, Ash you said, you've got a feeling is going to come in. I'd like to see him come in or Ned Long to get a full game. I think Ned Long was the wrong choice as the sub. I've spoken about it. I think the substitute selections the last four to five weeks have been absolutely terrible and the wrong players. Um, so if Ned Long gets picked, he needs to play a full game, not come on as the sub. But I only think there'll be two or three. I think there'll be three changes max. So it'll be interesting to see who they go with as that second key forward.
1: I think um, I don't normally, I'm not normally, advocate for resting players. But Weddle ran around like a bit of a headless truck last week and uh, didn't play one of his great games. And I one to be big fans, but so I wouldn't mind freshening up Weddle, giving him a rest this week, bringing him back for Collingwood, which will be a huge game, MCG probably. 65,000, 70,000 people on Saturday week in the famous Hawthorne Ansett Cup, Andrew Weiss jumper. Um, so I'd, I'd rest all well this week. I actually agree with you, with you on that front. And maybe this is a week to have a look at uh, Cooper Stevens against the St Kilda midfield that uh, is a bit like Stevens, not overly quick, but a bit hard at it. It might be sort of perfect game to introduce him to... I would think this week. Um, yeah, and what they're going to do with the forward line obviously needs to be fixing. Dougal Howard not playing for the uh, for St Kilda as well, Brad, which uh, you uh, think he uh, it might be the best defender.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Wilkie probably pound for pound is the best defender, but he's not as tall not really as uh, Yeah, so uh, Wilkie's going to have to play on Mitch uh, Lewis. I think Mitch can expose him with his height. Um, Looking at St Kilda's team on paper, um, I know they're six on the ladder, but we should be winning this game and winning it comfortably. We beat St Kilda last time. Max King kicked four. Blank actually did a pretty good job, but obviously they're going to have no King. They got a lot of injuries. Bradley Hill always seems to play really well against us. He's not going to be there this week. Um, I think this is a very uh, winnable game. If we play like we did... Against uh, the Tigers for the first three quarters, I think we'll win easily by you know five plus goals. I think St Kilda is uh, overrated. They're not. Good, I don't think they're going to play finals, and I think we should be winning this game.
1: Okay, let's play Finlotto Lotto quickly. Who does Finn the go to? Uh, uh, who did you go
0: to, Brad? Uh, Jack Sinclair. He'll go straight to Sinclair. Steele and Crouch are good uh, midfielders, but they don't hurt you. I think Bradley Hill would have been an option should he play, but. Finn will go directly to Jack Sinclair and he'll wear him uh, like a glove for the whole game. Dad, Finn Lotto?
3: Oh, yeah, totally agree with Brad. It's got to be Sinclair. I, I think our midfield can handle uh, Steele um, and Crouch for sure. Uh,
1: uh, Danny, any uh, objection
2: to Finn Lotto being uh, Sinclair? No, I think Brad has nailed Finn Lotto for the last three weeks, so there's no reason to doubt him now. Um, the Oracle will get it right again and Jack Sinclair will be put in the vice, the Finn vice.
1: I'm already looking forward to uh, Finn on uh, uh, Dacos in a couple of weeks at the MCG. That'll be fantastic. That'll be uh, a really good test for for uh, Finn there. Uh, really actually did a ride right on Finn towards the end last week. I think he sort of ran him, just kept running, running. I think he might have uh, uh, taken the point in because I think he ran Finn to the ground.
2: Is that your recollection, Danny? Yeah, he, he did. I, I always wonder how match somebody who is as fluid a mover and as slippery as like Rioli or Shai Bolton um, are for Finn with his more sort of robotic running style. So I think, you know, Sinclair is a much better match um, for Finn than Rioli was. And I think those are the types of players that you want to see Finn run with because he can shut them down from a physical um, standpoint and a running standpoint. But Rioli playing off a half-back flank, generating the run from there, um, very good, um, clean, slippery mover, not necessarily the guy I would have suggested um, would be the perfect fit for for Finn. But, um, yeah, uh, who am I to make that call? All right, we'll, we'll find
1: out at one at ten pm Sunday. Okay, tip and margin before we go, Danny?
2: Uh, Hawks by three goals.
1: Des? Uh
3: I'm going to say Hawks by three points.
0: Brad? Hawks by 14 points.
3: All right.
1: I've, uh, I'm going secure to secure them by 10. So uh, I think Saints will. I've got a feeling that Saints will sort of. Just everyone's riding them off, they'll find a way. But because uh, it's. Uh, that unfortunate having to play a Marvel tenant team at Marvel. Such a shame At the MCG or Tassie, the other two possible venues, Hawthorne, would win and win comfortably. Just got the funny vibe that we're going to be not happy about the choice of venue come Sunday evening. That has been the uh, spaces for this week. Thanks to everyone for your support of Hawks Insiders. $5 a month, $50 a year for great online Hawthorne content. Um, Daz, any housekeeping? No
3: housekeeping, but Box Hill Hawks are having a community day on uh, Saturday the 29th. So I think that game is on at 2 o'clock and uh, uh, everything kicks off around midday. Going to try and get down there um, and yeah, support the team as they make the uh, push for finals.
1: It's a good weekend, actually. They, a rare weekend we can actually enjoy Hawthorne and Box Hill on separate days. So we encourage you to get to one or both of the games, if you can. Um, we will be back next week. Whether we are Wednesday or Thursday, we'll talk amongst ourselves and let you know as soon as possible to put that in your diary for the rest of the season. We'll just work out what works out best for us. But uh, we know we're getting great support for everybody. Irrespective of the night, we do it. And if you don't catch listen to the Spaces live, you can follow up on the podcast. Apologies again for the glitch before. We have a glitch sub weeks. Who knows what's going to happen in... Uh, Daz, what is now? Are we now X Spaces? Is that what we are?
3: My, my logo is still the bird, so I'm not not really sure what's happening. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm getting over X, here.
1: X on the desktop, but I get uh, the bird on the phone. So we'll see so, where we are. But wherever, whatever this is, whatever it's called, you'll find us here next week. We'll let you know, as I said, ASAP, whether we are Wednesday or Thursday. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy the game on Saturday if you're at Box Hill, Sunday. If you're watching Hawthorne, we'll recap it in our podcast, recap podcast Sunday night and our rating and our recap review article as well on Monday at Hawks Insiders. Thanks, everybody, for uh, for joining us tonight. We'll talk to you again next week. Good
0: night. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.